0: At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Hello Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a practicing preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute at Baptist Health South Florida, as well as Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. While much attention has deservedly been given to the coronavirus and COVID-19 by our medical organizations over the past few months, we all want to be sure we continue to message the importance of general medical care. In recent podcasts, we've discussed immunizations, heart failure, mental health issues. Today, we'll discuss hypertension. Nearly half of American adults may have high blood pressure or hypertension, but many of them don't realize it. There are a lot of misconceptions out there, like the myth that high blood pressure mostly affects people over the age of 60. Not only can high blood pressure affect people of all ages, but if left untreated, it can cause harm to many organs in the body. It's a leading cause of strokes, as well as heart failure, kidney failure, and heart disease in general. Today, we'll talk about why hypertension is called the silent killer and discuss what can be done to prevent and treat it. We'll also talk about a unique hypertension program out of Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute Cardiology Group for hypertension evaluation and treatment. For today's discussion, I'm pleased to welcome back my colleague, Dr. Ian DelConde. Dr. Del Conde is a board-certified cardiologist and vascular medicine specialist who holds several leadership roles at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, including the medical director of the Resistant Hypertension Program. Thanks for joining us, Ian.
1: Thank you, John. My pleasure.
0: So, Ian, let's start with some of the basics, but I think very important, especially to the the, the average person out there. Um, We talk about high blood pressure. It's easy to ask what is high blood pressure, but maybe approach it by not what is high blood pressure, but what's happening in our bodies when we're hypertensive or have high blood
1: pressure? Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the fundamental question here. So blood pressure, just so our audience is clear, blood pressure is the pressure that exists within our arteries, which are the pipes in the body. And our bodies were designed and built, if you will, to operate at a certain sweet spot. Uh, you don't want it too low, but you also don't want it too high. And we've known after a multitude of different studies that different organs, end up getting damaged if you expose them to elevated blood pressures, and this includes the brains, the brain, the eyes, the kidneys, Um, and for example, one of the uh, the most recent uh, findings in, in numerous studies is that even the risk of dementia starts going up if you live your life with elevated blood pressures. So it definitely seems
0: that people tend to be more afraid of certain things than others, and strokes and dementia would be two of the big ones. And as you're mentioning, hypertension at a younger age is clearly implicated in that risk as one gets older. So another of the many reasons to uh, evaluate and control your hypertension. So so we know hypertension is important. It affects the organs. Uh, we call it the silent killer. Why are there no obvious symptoms? And what symptoms would make someone concerned that they might be hypertensive?
1: Yeah, this is a really important point, John. Um, there are no symptoms of hypertension, and I'm sure that, that many folks in the audience have uh, at some point heard about the the frog in the the boiling uh, pot of water experiment. You, you place a frog and you slowly start boiling the water the, the The frog never jumps out and it boils to death, basically, but if you put it in boiling water, it'll immediately jump out Well that's similar to what happens with hypertension. If you slowly develop hypertension throughout life, your body slowly starts adapting. In Most people, the vast majority of people, will not experience any symptoms of that elevated blood pressure, and the only way of making that diagnosis is by actually measuring your blood pressure, and that's the reason self-monitoring is absolutely paramount in this condition. So how, how
0: often and what population would you say should be measuring their blood pressure? Um, again, you're, you're not feeling anything. It's a slow occurrence. You don't go to sleep normal or at least with an normal blood pressure, wake up the next day with all these blood pressure-related organ damage. Is there an age uh, when you might say start checking your blood pressure? And then at that age, how often should they be checking your blood pressure?
1: So... People will have periodic blood pressure me- measurements when they go to their, you know, their health screenings with their pediatricians, with their kids and, and doctors. But certainly after the age of 25 and even 30, I would say that most people, and perhaps I'm biased. Look, this is what I do all day, but, but I really think that it's so prevalent in the community as, as you mentioned in, in your opening statements, John, up to 40 to 50 percent. Of the general population in the United States and other Western countries will develop hypertension. So just statistically, there's a good chance that every one of us, no matter how thin and healthy and active you are, there's a good chance that any one of us will develop hypertension. So I personally think that after the age of 25 or 30, you should just check your blood pressure every now and then. And if you notice that it's elevated, that's the time to seek further attention. Blood pressure monitors are cheap and widely available. You can buy them in in many stores online.
0: How accurate are the blood pressure machines that they may have in the pharmacies or in um, some of the supermarkets?
1: So, great question. Um, Maybe 10, 15 years ago. I love you, man, but all my questions are great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe 15 years ago, I would have said... That you will, you should stick to certain specific brands that are very well validated. The reality is that nowadays, the vast majority of the devices that you can buy have, in some way or another, been vetted, um, and the technology is is sound. It's been tested and improved over the last ten, fifteen years. And I would say that the vast majority of the of the devices that you buy in in a regular uh, drugstore, they're they're good. They work, and and. If you go to the hospital, you will notice that almost all of the blood pressure machines we use nowadays, they're electronic. We rarely use the manual method nowadays. They're good. That's the bottom line.
0: So you can obviously get your blood pressure checked at your doctor through a regular visit or just saying, I want my blood pressure checked. Um, there are health fairs that are done at, at community centers or, or various places where blood pressures can get checked. And then those that are the most motivated, which we do recommend, would be even for the family, buy a good quality, relatively low-priced home blood pressure machine, which you can use periodically, check every few weeks at home. Those would be, I guess, viable recommendations.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Um,
0: So when should someone be concerned now? So now I'm checking my blood pressure every two to three weeks. Um, First question, is there a time of day I should check? Should I do it randomly? And then when would I say, uh, wait a minute, uh, maybe I should get further help?
1: Right. So people have to be aware what the numbers are. You have to know your number. Uh, A normal blood pressure, an ideal blood pressure, I should say, is 120 over 80 or less. However, if most of your blood pressures are in the 120s to 130s range over 70s to 80s, you're probably fine. Remember, blood pressure is not static. It's not as if you're always going to have the absolute same blood pressure. Blood pressure is influenced by your uh, degree of hydration, your emotional state, uh, level of activity, a number of different features. So blood pressure fluctuates a little bit, similar to the stock market. It goes up and down, up and down, but it always should stay within a certain range. And that's the 120, 130 that we're shooting for. If you're lucky, 110, great. Um, Now, when should you get worried? When you consistently see numbers that are in the 130s, 140s, or even above. That's when you should know these measurements are high. Let me seek attention.
0: So, we'll talk about what one should do if they find that blood pressure readings a little consistently high, and I think the number the the word consistent is important. What kind of circumstances may someone find that blood pressure to be elevated during, but it's not hypertension? I mean, are there other things that may raise a blood pressure, but you're not necessarily hypertension with that risk of organ damage?
1: Oh, definitely. and um And I think that we have identified uh, a few things that are pretty common in life, for example. If somebody injures, for example, their knee or their back, and they're taking anti-inflammatories, NSAIDs, uh, ibuprofen, that sort of medication, and they're taking it consistently every day for a few days, that can increase your blood pressure. Uh, alcohol can also increase your blood pressure if you're taking it at elevated quantities over several days. Um, and also emotional stress. Uh, this is something that we see in clinical practice, people who've been well-controlled and they suddenly go through a period in life that is particularly stressful. Uh, and these do exist, unfortunately, but, but you, you can pinpoint that, that there is a correlation between emotional stress that can be prolonged and elevated blood pressures. So those sort of things can lead to elevated blood pressures without you necessarily being hypertensive.
0: So, so speak if you would. Uh, those are great points. I mean, if you're angry and you're infuriated and yelling at someone, if you're in pain, you mentioned the anti-inflammatories, but being in pain itself can raise your blood pressure. So, going back to that word consistently. So, again, I have an argument with someone. The veins are bulging in my head. I feel flushed. I check my blood pressure. It's high. What would make me determine that that's not hypertension? Speak a little bit to the the consistency, the freak, the recurrent readings that one needs.
1: Right. So the best way to answer that situation is by getting additional data points. In other words, get additional measurements. And if you notice that most of your measurements are fine, but every now and then in a particular situation it's elevated in a way that can be normal. Um, again, blood pressure is, is, uh, is a reflection of, uh, of what's going on in our bodies, emotional state, et cetera, similar to the pulse, to the heart rate. Um, If you make a number of measurements, and regardless of your emotional state and hydration and activity, so on and so forth, they're elevated, well, that puts you in a different category.
0: So, that, again, great points. I think it's helpful for people to understand what is hypertension, how we identify it, not to scare people that every time they may be exposed to a reading that's elevated, it means there's going to be a negative consequence. Take the time to get more data points to determine if you're really hypertensive. So now let's say someone is hypertensive, young, middle-aged, older. Um, let's talk about some of the more common things one can do to improve their blood pressure before we then get to medications and, and other therapies
1: yeah so um so this is the the most important question that I try to answer when I see particularly a youngish person coming in with elevated blood pressures. Uh, you try to answer why has this person developed uh persistently elevated blood pressure so you try to look for uh, for those reversible factors that can that can save the person from going on potentially lifelong drug therapies, which of course nobody wants and certainly. Uh, I, as a doctor, don't want to prescribe drug therapies for for people necessarily. Um, Sometimes it's necessary, but if you can find a reversible factor that explains it, that's the target then. So you look for changes in weight. Um, For example, in this COVID uh, pandemic, I have seen a fair number of people who have gained a significant amount of weight. And along with that, they have now developed high blood pressure. Well, their treatment... so long as the blood pressure is not dangerously high, the treatment is not drug therapy. It's weight reduction. And that absolutely works in many, not all, but in many, most cases, uh, weight reduction will help. If somebody has developed sleep apnea, you treat the sleep apnea, not the hypertension. The hypertension will resolve. Um, Also, dietary changes. Uh, People are eating out, perhaps, uh, you know, food delivery services, uh, greater uh, content of salt. Uh, you change your diet, you avoid that excess salt and people improve. So a lot of times
0: people, when we identify their hypertensive, they say, I don't believe it. I've never been hypertensive before, which of course it has to start at some point. So sometimes as you're saying, you can identify some things that's changed in that person's life or experience that's now making them hypertensive and age could be one of them, which of course we, we, we can't, we can't change. Um, Talk a little bit about salt. If someone has a normal blood pressure and they're otherwise healthy and they eat a lot of salt, will they become hypertensive or is salt a target of something to lower if you, if you are hypertensive? In other words, can it cause hypertension or is it just one thing we look at in someone who needs to control hypertension?
1: So just based on the way that the kidneys work, most people will experience an elevation in blood pressures if they increase their salt consumption that's just physiology and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but in some people who have developed hypertension, just high blood pressures, um, a reduction in the, in the amount of salt that they consume can be very effective in reducing their blood pressure. Um, we unfortunately are exposed to high salt foods. Salt is used as a preservative. So if you eat processed foods, um, Things that you buy in the supermarket, perhaps restaurants, uh, and it's already prepared. There's a good chance that it has a high salt content, and yeah, you should avoid them.
0: Is there such thing as too little salt in your diet?
1: Um, perhaps in very rare cases where your sodium levels are low, but that 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 is not that will not be an issue for the vast majority of people who are listening to this today.
0: Good. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about medications a little bit, uh, but before we do, um, is there any proof? Is there any uh, data that there's a genetic component to, to hypertension?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, but this is also a great question. Um, so why is hypertension so prevalent in the, in the world uh, you know, 30, 40, up to 50% of adults? Um, well, this is really interesting. And when you look at, at evolution of, uh, of humans, uh, throughout civilization, humans have been exposed to drought. And many humans in the past, many people have died because of drought. Uh, it, during migrations from Africa up to, to Europe and subsequently to America and Asia. Um, it turns out that during that time, if you carried certain mutations that made you retain salt better, you were more resistant to that drought, more likely to survive the drought, and therefore certain genes that encourage salt retention, sodium retention, have been conserved in our modern populations, and it is believed that this is one of the reasons why we are hypertensive. As a a civilization, we have high levels of hypertension that is particularly salt-sensitive, so I think that that's where the, the genetic, uh, genetics component comes uh, into play.
0: And, and it's a fascinating concept, the whole too much of a good thing. So you're saying that evolutionarily, those that were able to retain salt to maintain a blood pressure in a drought environment had a protective benefit. So it was something that was inherited, but now in our environment where… Exactly. <laughs> it's harmful. Right. Same thing with, with calories. There's a consideration of anxiety and the stress response and even clotting might be too much of a good thing. You're gored by the saber tooth tiger. You clotted, you survived to pass that gene down, but we're not really exposed to saber-toothed tigers as much as... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's fascinating. So medications. Um, don't want to talk about specific medications. I have a couple of general uh, thoughts that I think might be worthwhile for the listeners. So the first thing is, you know, you're dealing with a medical problem which produces no symptoms telling the person that if they don't do something, whether it be a lifestyle change or take a medication, they may wind up with something. How, how? Talk about how difficult that is, if you will, as a doctor, to get someone to take a medication for something that they don't feel to prevent something they may have.
1: You know, I think that the problem is that we doctors uh, don't spend enough time explaining to patients why is it that we're starting a certain medication. Um, but the way that I do it is... Number one, I'm, I'm extremely sensitive and respectful to, uh, with medications, especially in younger people. I don't want to take medications unnecessarily, and I don't want to prescribe medications unnecessarily. I always explain to patients that they need to change their mindset. They're, they will be taking medications not to treat an illness, but to stay healthy. And I think that the focus has to be that. Let's talk about health. Let's not talk about disease. Let's talk about health and how we can stay healthy. Um, the way that, that, uh, that, that, uh, we both, uh, John and I, uh, we grew up, uh, people took medications when they were sick. I think that things have changed. You, it is okay nowadays. There's enough data nowadays for you to be perfectly healthy. And still, there is a role for drug therapies to make sure that you continue being healthy. And that's the point that I make with patients. Um, you're healthy but your blood pressure is high. If we don't change course, it is expected that in the next 10 to 15 years, you may have uh, uh, damage to the heart, the eyes, the brain, the kidneys, et cetera. There's something we can do today. The best treatment is starting a medication.
0: That's well said. If it's true prevention, you wanna do something now to avoid something down the road that's preventable. Um, Do you ever take people off blood pressure medications? And if so, under what circumstances?
1: Yeah, you know, I I would like this to be much more common than it is, uh, but I've certainly seen, uh, you know, a lot of patients, many patients who who manage to, for example, reduce a substantial amount of weight and their blood pressure, their hypertension completely disappears. So for some patients, a real bold change in their lifestyles will be uh, large enough to, to, for them to be able to come off entirely drug therapy, and that's what I would wish for most patients, for all patients, but but obviously that's not the case for all of them. So
0: the statement that, well, doc, I don't want to go on the medicine because I want to be on it the rest of my life. The argument is, unless you change something to not be hypertensive, you will be on the medication. But then the co- the, the consequence of that, if you want to talk about, it, is the medications we use and maybe talk about the long term safety profiles.
1: Correct, and and I. I Especially when I see people with milder levels of hypertension, uh, I, usually, I usually like to explain what the deal is to them and give them a chance uh, four to six months to really change their, their lifestyles. Um, there is no urgency to starting these medications. And the, real, the, the reality is that once they start, them, they will probably stay on them for a long, long time. So it, it pays off to, to, to be gentle and to be gradual.
0: Fair enough. Um, can you can you then address the concept you said you put them on? They're on the medications, you know, uh, indefinitely. Um, that doesn't mean if they feel something on the medication, there aren't options. There aren't, you know, they still should still discuss with the doctor. You know, maybe this isn't the right medication for me, right? So it's it's not like you're on this and there's no there's no room for conversation.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and the uh, the good thing about this is that we have so many different uh, drug options to our you know available to us that we can we can find the right medication to the right person with essentially no side effects.
0: Um, before I get to the last topic which is our resistant hypertension program, I, I just want to again elaborate on a, a point you did make. This is not an emergency. So the person who feels well, they get a checkup or they check their blood pressure is elevated, you know, they shouldn't walk in and they shouldn't walk out with a pill. It should be multiple readings over a period of time, give them an opportunity to change their lifestyle. I think we do see a lot of anxiety related by, to the people who check the blood pressure and see a reading thinking, oh my God, it's high today. I'm going to have a bad outcome. Um, you know, speak a little bit. This is a chronic process.
1: Yeah, it's a chronic process. And yeah, it's true. Uh, th- there's a lot of anxiety related to seeing that number. People place so much emphasis on that number, um, which is it's okay, but it also has its risks and anxiety is one of them. Um, so tagging this conversation to the hypertension clinic that you were just about to start, that's the reason we in the hypertension clinic at, at the Miami Cardiac and Institute, we have an open line of communication for patients to send their blood pressures. We review them and we provide almost immediate feedback to the patient. This is okay, continue what you're doing or now it's time to make some adjustment to your to your regimen but that constant loop of information is critical for the successful management of hypertension so talk
0: about the program so you know what are the kind of people let me phrase that what are the patient criteria that would make you say this is an appropriate person to be referred to a higher level of hypertension evaluation what's done in the program that makes it unique
1: so the reason we started the hypertension clinic at, at, uh, at Baptist or Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute is because of the, the, um, the knowledge that approximately half of all hypertensive patients are not well controlled, despite them seeing their doctor on a, on a regular basis and despite the fact that they're taking medications for blood pressure. So we realized that we needed to, to provide a service to patients with the goal of controlling their blood pressure. So the way that the, the, the program is structured is patients need to have a blood pressure monitor at home. They keep a blood pressure diary. And there's a specific way we want them to check their blood pressure once a day at completely random times um, using an arm, upper arm cuff, not the wrist cuff, but an upper arm electronic automated machine. Um, they keep a blood pressure diary and they send us their measurements uh, their logs, uh, and we review them. And when it's time, we pull the trigger and occasionally we start drug therapies. Of course, everyone with elevated blood pressures also undergoes um, counseling on lifestyle changes, on um, dietary changes, weight reduction. Uh, and some people, we pursue further uh, evaluation for other conditions such as obstructive sleep apnea or for more uh, uh, uncommon conditions that can cause high blood pressure. Um, but the goal is to really get patients checking their blood pressure, sending us the, uh, the readings, and we make uh, quick uh, assessments and changes to their regimen with the goal of having them well controlled on a drug therapy that is working for them um, within the first uh, couple months or so. That's the goal, certainly. Um, It's a comprehensive service and it started initially for patients with resistant hypertension, which are patients that are more difficult to control. Uh, But we have been expanding the service to patients who are simply not well controlled for whatever reason. We can take care of them.
0: And I think again to clarify your original introductory statements about the the program, that's not an indictment of the community or the physicians to say that most people aren't controlled. These are national trends having to do with whether we're not recognizing they're hypertensive, or you know the follow up is not uh, 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 robust or in depth, or the patient may have a bad reaction to medication and say I give up. So I think you know it's a higher level of of service to get those patients under control. So um, again, it's great. It's very innovative. I think the patient satisfaction is great. Um, you've given us tons of information, Ian, and it's always a, a pleasure you know, um, having you as a guest. We talked about what is hypertension, why it's important. We talked about how to identify it, medications, then again, resistant hypertension and the hypertension uh, program at Amami um, Cardiac and Vascular Institute. Um, so any final comments you'd like to mention um, to the listeners, or anything you want to reiterate?
1: The only thing that I would say is The same way that you know exactly how much money you have in your bank account or how much gas you have in your car, you need to know what your numbers are. Your blood pressure, your glucose, your cholesterol. But because today we're talking about hypertension, I'll reiterate it. Know your blood pressure numbers, get a device, check your blood pressure at home.
0: Thanks again. Um, a little bit lengthier than our usual podcast, but I think the information is so cogent and so helpful. Um, Ian, really appreciate the time. Uh, go back to work. Um, My yet. pleasure. Thank you. Um, and to listeners, uh, as usual, if you have any comments, thoughts, ideas, or future topics for a Baptist Health Talk, please email us at Talk at baptisthealth.net. Stay safe. Mask up. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news, and be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.